You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I'm talking to Catherine Cohen in a conversation recorded a couple of weeks ago. So we're in lockdown. As you hear, she's going a bit crazy in lockdown, but uh, within within her own parameters, I think it's fair to say. Um, and she is a phenomenal comic. She waltzed off with the Best Newcomer Comedy Award at the Edinburgh Festival last year with a show that was one of those shows in the first two minutes. You settle down in your seat and think, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And she managed to keep that pace up incredibly uh i mean bursting with ideas really funny an amazing singing voice and also as we will discuss a propensity for getting into a song smashing out loads of punchlines not repeating herself and then getting out not repeating punchlines and then getting out i urge you to check out her stuff she has got some bits and bobs online of course you should go and see her live when live gigs are a thing again but follow her socials at cat cohen on twitter at cat c cohen on Instagram. And uh, if you are not familiar with her, you're just going to love her work. I think she's fantastic. I shall talk to you in the middle and at the end. This is Catherine Cohen. Hey, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, I'm doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) We should should briefly cover, because this is a a pandemic-ridden episode, where are you and how are you isolating and how are you coping with it all before we get on to the much more frothy and fun business of your comedy? I'm in hell. I mean, I'm in heaven, but I am so (laughs) fucking ready for this to be over. I feel so absolutely crazy. I've hit a wall. This is, I believe, day 67 in quarantine. Um, I'm very lucky to be with my boyfriend uh, in his very nice uh, cabin in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. So I'm very lucky to be in the countryside. I'm a little princess. I have a perfect life, and yet here I am complaining I'm just so extroverted and I need to be around people. And I'm just like so sick of like just only being able to be at my computer. I mean, what what about you? Where are you? Uh, I'm in Bristol in the UK and I have two children. You have so two children? Occupied. Oh, my yes. God. Yes, little ones. So I'm not worried about their missing their education. And right. actually, they're both young enough. They're, they're one and a half and four. Okay. And they are kind of young enough that they're not... I don't think suffering any big psychological implications of not having seen their (laughs) friends. We worry about that more than it's an issue, the more than I think it's actually an issue. Um, But it's uh, it's nuts. And uh, I mean, the thing about the pandemic is the extraordinarily different ways in which almost everyone I know 
is in just it's a hugely different situation. I know comics who've uh, quit comedy or temporarily and, and got proper jobs delivering stuff well, to survive. I know some people who have no children and are just like, oh, I'm just going to make funny videos and right. hang out and try not to go mad. And then, you know, somewhere in the middle I am. I'm very happy and lucky and being really busy online. And uh, uh, But it's it's nuts. There's a little yammering kind of, oh, fuck it, world's on fire kind of feeling it must be so intense having kids here i am complaining and the only person i have to take care of is myself and that's hard enough honey am i right yeah. <laughs> what's what's bristol all about where is that um it's in the southwest of the uk have you been to the uk yes it's a hundred miles west of london okay what's the vibe there um it's where banksy's from Okay. Um, So the vibe is uh, very. uh, I think it really fancies itself as a kind of. um, uh, Like, have you been to Hackney in the UK? Yeah. In London. So Hackney has that kind of like, oh, this is where all the cool artists are because this is where the you know the big buildings were that the artists moved into, and now it's all gentrified. It's a it's a bit like that. It's not. It's not exactly like that. And I'm very conscious now of people from Bristol listening to this and going, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I moved here under duress in order to have children. Right, of course. And now I'm incredibly glad oh, uh, that I know, we have right? access to so much countryside. Totally. That's great. Well, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, listen, are you in a fit state? Let's. I'm Not that I'm suggesting we pause unless you, you'd want to, but just talking about your work, how are you feeling about your work during the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling really bummed. I just haven't had more than like, you know, two weeks away from live performance, you know, in years. And I had so much great stuff planned that I was actually in London when this all went down and I had to like cancel. I was doing a run of shows there and I had to like, after the first show, I went back to my hotel and my parents called me and were like, you need to come home. And I flew home and had to cancel the shows because Trump had made that announcement. And then I was supposed to go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival this year as well. And I was going to go back to Edinburgh and do like um, a work in progress thing and the and a reprise of my show from last year. So, you know, it's a bummer. And I'm but I am, you know, trying to write some new songs. That's the main thing I've been able to write. Um, okay. Haven't been really writing jokes. I've been doing my show every week on Instagram live at eight on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. eight New York time. And that's been really good. And yeah, I've also, I'm, I'm publishing a book of poetry early next year. So I was writing, kind of finishing that up. So there's definitely okay. stuff to work on, but I just miss like the crowd. Because you are, I mean, I saw your show in Edinburgh last year and it was phenomenal. Oh, you had you. A, bl- a blazing debut year and I can appreciate why it's so frustrating to have got there. You won Newcomer uh-huh. um, and, you know, awards are a thing and that's certainly... They're def- it's having so to- crazy. They're definitely a thing. Yeah, no one, there's nothing like it in the States. Like no one gives a shit. Yeah. And it's so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the best time ever. It was, that show is... The, the density of the jokes in that show. <laughs> I could not believe you sustained it. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, we sat there in those in the Pleasance and there's the opening number um, about doing comedy because you're needy and you need the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, just to, just, well, I, it's not here in my words. Can you just kind of paint a picture for us for people who didn't see it, how you, how you kind of come on and how you maintain that kind of pace? Yeah, I don't know any other way of doing it. I just, uh, yeah, the show is basically, uh, I think in Edinburgh I did six 
like original songs and in between lots of jokes, stream of consciousness, uh, reading some poems. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely planned, but every night was a little bit different. Yeah. And I, I, mean, it has yeah, that, it ha- I just got so like doing Don't. it, doing it there. I'd never done it so many times before I did Edinburgh. The only, I'd only done it, uh, I think twice in a row, maybe three times. So to do it 28 or whatever the fuck it was, I just got so, I felt so powerful. I got so good at it and I felt so in my fucking element. And then, yeah, even take, I took like two weeks off afterwards. And then did, when I, my first show back, I was like, fuck, I'm rusty. It was such an amazing feeling to like, just go for it. Because what you're doing is like you're dressed in this kind of shimmering gold outfit, like it's proper kind of pro cabaret aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even like there's there's jokes in between the songs, but the songs they're not just funny songs. They're like they're as funny as a proper comic bit. That's right. Premise and a journey and a and then in between it's almost like in the breaths you're doing little kind of like the you know popping your leg out and do you know what I mean it's like like in yeah. the breaths between the songs it's like punch punch but it's a proper machine gun of all of this stuff which is all suffused with the character yeah I really don't like even repeating a chorus can feel boring I'm like how am I going to make this next chorus like different or how am I going to add another joke because I want a laugh like I'm okay with like the first few lines kind of establishing what I'm talking about but then I want to laugh like every with every new thought is kind of the goal. Um, yeah, I actually just wrote, so I've been writing a few new songs and I had one I've been doing. And I was like, what's it missing? And it was missing that kind of like, brrr, so I added a bridge where I kind of go off for a while. And by the brrr, you mean, you mean the, the kind of machine gun joke? Yeah. Bit. Yeah. Like new thought, new thought, like overshare, overshare. What'd she okay. just say? That has nothing to do, like, like, or like, especially like that has nothing to do with what we just heard about, but then we kind of loop it back together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of interesting. Okay. Me. And and the we were talking before about the the kind of thirst for live audiences. It it seems to me like I can see how you would sit back during the, not sit back, but how you would change gear during the pandemic and go right. Let's work on the songs because they're you know you're writing like that's a technical thing you can write away from a crowd. Yeah. But it feels like the the majority of everything that you're doing on stage is kind of created in front of a live audience like rather than you're not sitting down and writing asides yeah so much as constantly being live and remembering the best improvisations is my totally that's theory. like pretty that's pretty spot on because yeah in back in new york i do a show every week at alan cummings club wednesday night that's why i chose wednesday nights to go live on instagram so every week for the past like two years i you know host a show that goes like two hours and basically the only thing i have prepared is the songs and in between it's just riffing and so yeah, like a lot of times I'll remember things I said during that and then put it in the live show. I rarely sit and like write down jokes. Um, sometimes I'll uh, say tweets and that's like as far as that's as close as I get to being like, I'm writing stand up right now. OK, you know, and the the persona that it all comes from as well is is so kind of fresh because you're. <laughs> What I love about it, or one of the, can you tell I enjoyed the show? <laughs> one of the things I loved about it is that you are sending up this, a thing whilst also kind of being the thing. I am. Uh, like you, you just get to have your cake and eat it because you're kind of mocking that kind of needy millennial Instagram celebrity focused 
you know, I'm a content. I mean, what was there? Was, was there a moment when you you burped? Yeah. And then said, "I what's the line? I, I can't. can't, stop I, can't content. <laughs> I can't stop creating content. And it's like you're you're mocking the thing whilst doing the thing. You're producing really good Instagram friendly millennial content. Yeah, I always joke that I love making fun of stuff that I really love. So that's kind of the whole thing. I mean, even like being like I'm like a little princess right now in a cabin in the woods, and I'm complaining about it. And that's like what the songs are about. And I I think it's like. I tweeted something about I was about the pandemic. I was like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And so someone retweeted it and was like, oh, my God, classic millennial bullshit. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> like, I'm joking. But I also uh, I also feel that way. Yes. Yes. OK. And and where did you come from? As a comp- <laughs> I know where who made you? Um- <laughs> <laughs> because you seem so like I've got no I've, I, I have done. I've been able to do much less research on you than I ordinarily would because, you know, parenting in the pandemic. Of and course. so I like to really know who someone is. But with you, I'm like, okay, so you dropped into Edinburgh fully formed. And yeah, you have yeah, that yeah. tone, which is like, oh, she could have been going 10 years. But I, I've got no idea what your background is or how you put this version of yourself together. Yeah. I mean, I grew up doing like musical theater. I'm from Houston. And then when I was in college, um, there was this group called baby wants candy they do musical improv at the fringe and they were like yeah. we're looking for like interns to come and like help flyer for us essentially so they take students from like Ameri- american colleges and just bring them over and they say you know we'll pay i guess they paid for like they pay for the flat and they pay for like some of the stuff and then you just get yourself over there so i was like fuck that sounds amazing i never even really heard of the fringe so the summer after i graduated so i was like tw- i think i turned 22 when i was there i was just flyering at the fringe and i was like this is the best place i've ever been I'm obsessed. I didn't even, I wasn't even doing comedy yet, but I was like, I know I have to come back here. I just don't know how. And then I moved to New York right after I started doing, um, like improv stuff at the UCB and, um, then like sketch and then stand up and then just kind of through like the New York scene kind of, um, I miss singing cause I used to do that all the time in my, my theater stuff. So I kind of strung that together with the stand up and then uh, met my piano player and collaborator Henry Kapersky, and we started writing songs together, and that's when everything clicked. And then we started doing like my solo show in New York, and then I was like, "Oh, this is perfect for the friend," and it just was like a no brainer. So then, after like about like a year of doing that kind of regularly, a year or two, I guess, yeah, like probably I would say about about two years of kind of regularly doing like workshopping an hour monthly. Um, touring a bit in the States, just doing like LA and New York and Chicago. I was like, this is definitely ready. I'm excited. And I was friends with um, Lolly Adafope because I had met her oh, yeah. the first time I went over. So she was like super instrumental. She was like, you have to do the fringe because she'd seen my act in New York. And so she, um, she was like, what you need to do is come to London. So about a year or t- about two years ago, wait, what year is it? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Anyways, so right uh, the fall before I did the fringe, yeah, she was like, "Come to London," and she helped me set up a show at Moth Club. And so I did my show at Moth Club, and she invited like Burke's Nest people, and I guess some other production people came, and that's how I got hooked up with Burke's Nest, and I met um, some of them, and then. Yeah, it just happened really organically. They were like, we want to bring the show over. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And I went to London in the spring and I had Owen um, Owen from Berksmith. We were having like lunch and uh, he was like telling me about the awards and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win the award. And he was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not about the awards. Like, fuck. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to win it. 
<laughs> and then I did the show. It was fucking insane. And then right before we were walking to the ceremony, I was with Owen and I was like, will you hold my jacket when I win? And he was like, shut, <laughs> he was like, shut the fuck up. And then I was like, <laughs> oh man, there's so many, it's, there's a lot of things I want to ask there. Chiefly, I suppose, did you... Like, do you have a set? Because that that's such a unique thing to have that sense of like, like most people, I guess, would be kind of so into the idea of winning that they wouldn't want to hex it in some insane way that isn't real. But like, to what extent is like, like was was the award meaningful to you? And 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 you're just impervious to that kind of cringy thinking, or is it that it didn't matter because you're in the, you're an American and you can just bodge over to the UK? Who cares? No, it definitely meant something. I definitely like thought it would be really fucking cool to get it i think i don't know i just had this insane confidence about it i was like i just knew it was such a perfect fit for like what the fringe is and like what especially yeah Yeah. and then once i had done it in london she was like oh i'm vibing so well with this crowd i i just been working on it for so long i was like this is really fucking good and i think it um it's the best (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it turned out it was the best um Um, it's interesting that you're gone sorry no i don't know i think uh, there is a part there's also a part of it of being like an outsider stakes just feel lower like i was even thinking if i had come up in the uk scene and i had to go through because no one reviews shows in the states like they do in the uk like if i had to go through like the horrifying process of like getting a bad review and stuff that would be hell like i don't think i could handle that so being kind of an outsider being like okay well you know whatever happens like i can go back to my my scene i do think that definitely is part of it like feeling like i'm gonna pop in kill it and peace out and if that doesn't work out then no one will care yeah okay and when you say um when you say you felt like it was the right sort of thing that could win it as an outsider to the fringe albeit someone who has kind of grown up there to a certain extent you know i love that i love that kind of intake whereby people go up and have their minds blown that happened to me years and years ago whoa jesus i'm gonna come here forever i love it um so from that kind of insider outsider perspective what was it about you and what you do that made you think this this ticks the right boxes? What are those boxes as you see them? I guess I just felt like the fringe values, like, um, like innovative stuff and stuff that's, you know, a little bit off and stuff that's really theatrical and kind of over the top and surprising. And so much of the comedy in New York is just like deadpan standing and talking. And I, you know even the fact that I do songs is like kind of weird and stuff. I don't know. It just seems like you guys really just value um, live performance as opposed to like just writing or something like that. Like okay. I feel like okay. in, in New York and stuff, like a lot of people just do stand up so that they can get a TV writing job. And I feel like in the UK people do stand up because they want to do stand up and then they can make actual livings doing it where you can't really, unless you're like a touring comic or something in the States. It's just a different okay. vibe. So this is Catherine. What a fantastic performer. She's so assured. And as we will go on to discover, also uh, freaks out at absolutely everything. So uh, we will get a little bit deeper into that uh, later. But uh, really, really appreciate her coming on the show, particularly from the perspective of, uh, you know, being in whatever we were at the time, week eight, nine of lockdown and, and the ensuing difficulties with that. 
Um, I will talk to you a bit more after the show. Suffice to say, now you can follow her on all the social stuff. You can follow me on all the social stuff at ComComPod. And uh, also, if you are interested in checking out The Infinite Sofa, hopefully Catherine is going to come along and do a set uh, for us there in not too long a time. Um, And uh, you can find out everything you need to know about my new online chat show, which is Mondays and Thursdays at 9pm BST, uh, served up via Twitch. You can find out Everything you need to know about that at infinitesofa.com. I'm pressing pause on the business lunches for the moment because uh, I am at capacity uh, with them and in my actual working life. And sort of on every level, I've only just taken the decision a few days ago not to uh, start another new project because I think I'm just going to sort of settle for a bit. I've got some really good guests coming up, some good people in the frame uh, for the next few comcoms. We are not doing them live at the moment. We were doing them kind of over Twitch, but I felt that the conversation... Uh, lost more from the sense of it being slightly performed uh, or slightly observed at least um, than it gained in being available to people. I may go back on that decision. I may change my mind on that, as is my right. Okay, that's everything for now, I think, that I need to tell you about. You can join the Insiders Club. There's no extra content from this episode, but if now is the time you are so moved, please go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to get extras from loads of fantastic recent shows with people like Helen Zaltzman, Brett Goldstein, Alonzo Bodden, Robbie Collins, and... uh, I said Bodden. I said Bodden. I managed to go through the whole of the episode with Alonzo Bowden, pronouncing it Bowden, even though it has two Ds. But I did say Bodden. Apologies to Alonzo. Um, that's it for now. Let's get back to Catherine Cohen. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So it sounds from your from your kind of potted history, from the backstory, that everything fell into place in the right order. Were there kind of misfires and failures along the way? Did you try things that didn't work? Or does everything you touch turn to gold? <laughs> uh, I think the fucking <laughs> misfire is right now where I'm sequestered away from my adoring crowds and I'm absolutely <laughs> lonely and depressed as fuck. Um no, I feel like obviously I've written songs that aren't that I now think are horrible. But isn't that always the okay. case? Like, I, even like doing this doing this poetry book now, like some of the poems are, are are something are. I guess some of the poems I wrote literally in like 2015, and I read them, and I'm like, oh, that is so stupid. So I think that's. Can just, you give us an example? Can you give us an example of a thing that you wouldn't have written now, or a thing you'd have edited now that's that's still in there? I think there's one joke in one of my poems that was going to be in the book about like making fun of podcasts. And it's funny because now 
doing my podcast is a huge part of my life and I would never make fun <laughs> of that in the way that I did. Or also like I had a, a song that was literally just called shit in the street about like, you need to kick back and take a shit in the street. And it's like, that's so <laughs> not interesting to me anymore. Like, I guess that was funny then, but I'm like, now I'm like, who cares? I guess also because, because the stuff I do is so personal and like anyone could write a song called shit in the street, but only I can write about the time, you know, I made a bad joke to a gynecologist and she didn't laugh at me and I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, okay. and I can tell like what that joke is and how it unfolded and all that. Okay, that's a new, okay. a new, that's so, a new song I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I think that's a really, um, I think that's a really valuable thing to have noticed about like the 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 specificity and the kind of the personalness of the experience. The uh, the shit in the street bit. I've, I feel like I've seen you do that as a line, um, which is kind yeah. of like a yeah, yeah, an yeah. intro to doing the line. Write that down, which I. Do you know what I mean? I think that, totally. that has the write that down element of it has is so imbued with you. It's such a peculiar, such a wonky kind of approach to your relationship with us. Did I say write that down? Yeah, you did. I think I saw it on a YouTube clip or something. I was like, you, write that you down. That, really good. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, that yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a little like, aside of going write that down. But it was write that down, not not in the sense of um, hey, comic at the back, can you make a note because I improvised something funny. But it was write that down in the sense of that's an important gem from yeah. my TED talk that you should all be yeah, making. Yeah, a note write of. that down, please. But yeah, don't forget, keep take that to heart. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I forgot all that. And and I just I, I just kind of I think that's quite a good way to look at the way you work a crowd and the way you relate to a crowd. Like, oh. who do you think we? see you as i'm like you guys are all in love with me and it's embarrassing it's pathetic yeah, right. it's pathetic that you're here yeah, that's it that's it exactly <laughs> i'm like it is so sad and well me and my podcast co-host pat regan we always say like anyone who listens to this like if you're listening like that it, we're really worried about you like please 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 go get some help the podcast is called seek treatment so like if you listen to this like you need treatment you need help okay <laughs> where did that such a lovely you are pathetic for loving me so much that is such a wonderfully unique tone to to strike with it like the for a foundation of a relationship with a crowd i think that was one of the most explosive elements of of the show that i saw which is that you just set that relationship immediately and then you just commit to it for an hour of like a solid hour of brilliant stuff Aww. and uh, i think um it's when did you discover that flavor or that tone with an audience? Like it's, it's so much a part of you. Is that something that kind of you just got on stage and started performing and no, ended up not saying at all. stuff like that? Yeah. I think it's just something that evolved over time. It definitely didn't start that way. When I started, it definitely was me just like trying more jokes. And I kind of was leaning into like the me being, you know, really confident thing. And that kind of evolved into like, I'm so confident and you're eating out of the palm of my hand and you're obsessed with me. And at, at this point you're so obsessed that like, we're all really worried and like, are your, are your families okay? <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, um, I'll, sometimes I'll have someone in a crowd, like I'll t like I'll look over and there's a guy who just like totally is not into the show and his face is completely, I'm like, okay, stone faced, you're obsessed. I'm addicted to you. Like if he's, then if, if he's stone faced and I want him even more, I'm like, I will literally die for you. I'm so in love with you in the way you absolutely hate me. Like, <laughs> and that's a really, that's a, such a great thing to have discovered because like you, you must've, when you happened upon that, you must've gone, Oh, I can probably use that at a tough gig crowd member for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that, that energy of that is like, there's always someone oh who's not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. 
And how do you how do you um, deal with that normally? How do you internally deal with because you're you're playing such kind of high notes of absolute self confidence? Do you ever find yourself having a tough gig and having to put yourself through the "I have absolute faith in myself" bit when you're actually feeling shaken? Yeah, well, I think lately I've been lucky only performing for people who have like come to see me. So it's a little bit less of that, but I'm trying to think, cause I was doing, I don't know. I think the thing about my shows is like, even if half of the people look like they're hating it, there's one person who's like losing their mind, loving it. So I'm like, yeah. that's all that really matters to me. You know? Okay. Yeah. When you, when you were kind of discovering yourself, your, your perform, your, your persona, like I always think, you know, the way with like an opening line, mm -hmm. if you have an idea as a comic for a really funny opening line, how can you try it without opening with it? Do you know what I mean? And like the, it's suddenly loaded with risk because you're like, oh, it'd be great if I could try that opening mm. line once I know they like me and I can get a read yeah, whether it works. Otherwise, I'm going to tank the gig because that, you know, that moment of meeting them is tricky. And I suppose when I see people who have enormous status performing, I think, well, how did you introduce how did you first go out and tell us we were, you know, we were pathetic for loving it? I remember like the first time, the way I opened that show by singing hello and then saying I have an amazing voice. Mm, like I remember, mm. I remember the first time I did that, like at an open mic, I was just like really nervous. I was like, this is going to be so obnoxious. This is going to be so awful. But then I got a laugh. So I was like, I guess I'll keep doing it. Okay. But yeah, I was definitely nervous. So in terms of your... In terms of your persona, is there anything that, like, you must be aware of your your kind of superpowers, like enormous confidence. You have an incredible, like, proper singing voice, <laughs> and you've got loads of fast gags and loads of, you know, hours on uh, what is it, hours on the clock or whatever the expression is. You've done, you know, you've done these kind of Wednesday night gigs for mm -hmm. a long time. What are the other things that you think you couldn't do it without? What are the other elements, the performative elements? Um. I don't know my outfits. That's, but I, I mean, that is a, that's a legit to, like, part of it, isn't it? I literally don't. I mean, every now and then I'll do a show, like not in clothes that I love, but I always feel like I'm somehow like joking. I'm like, I literally, like, can you believe I'm wearing jeans? I'm absolutely mortified to wear jeans to this show. <laughs> I'm like wearing jeans, like as a joke I'm wearing jeans as a comment. Like I feel more, most myself when I'm dressed, dressed to the nines. Mm -hmm. Um, it's funny. Yeah. The singing voice is literally it's being a singer is absolute hell on earth. Like I've had vocal cord injuries and stuff too. So I have to be really careful. And it's just like, that's why Edinburgh was so tough because I'd never sung that long every night. And I was just like living in fear basically. Mm. So I have like lots of vocal warm ups, and I've had last fall, I hemorrhaged my vocal cord and had to have a laser seal up the bleeding blood vessel. Um, and it was oh, really shit. traumatic, but you know, then I was singing again. From singing? Um, actually, I sneezed and the, there was like a leaky blood vessel. From, from like just so oh, much my. use, the voice can sometimes get these yeah. like leaky vessels. And sometimes like a little thing like a sneeze can set it off. So I sneezed and then I was basically out. That was November and then I didn't do my, um, where are you going? Okay, my boyfriend's sick of me. Um, joking. Bye, babe. Um, <laughs> I hurt my vocal cord, and then I guess, yeah, I was singing. It took almost two months before I was, like, doing my show again. Yeah, it was awful. 
So the singing is something I take really seriously and it's like a very intense part of the, what I do, I think. But I think I, I, but I also like to tell myself that I could do it without the songs. I would just, cause I've done sets, you know, without songs and stuff. Okay. Is that, how does that feel? Um, I just feel like this doing, doing songs is so nice because you're not waiting for a response. You're just, I'm, it's like, I'm doing a song and if you laugh during it, I love that. But if you don't, I can, I'm just like, Oh, they're just listening, you know? And songs also, you can like do songs more than once and people want to hear them as opposed to like play that joke again. Like no one cares, but everyone's like, Oh, I'm sure. requesting that song. So I feel like safe and like at home doing the songs and also like writing the songs just is it's fun and exciting to me whereas writing jokes is kind of like wait what's happening mm -hmm. and is if those we kind of looked at those sort of superpower qualities that you have what are the sorts of things that you wish you were better at um not freaking the fuck out every single day of my life i wish i was better about not being anxious about my voice and i wish um, I didn't compare myself to others, but otherwise I think my act's perfect. <laughs> uh, no, I would love to like, I don't know. No, I honestly, it's like in my life, like the live stuff just feels like so sacred and like, so I'm so sure of it. It's, it's other stuff. It's like, I'm like writing a script right now and that's really fucking hard for me. And it's like, it's like other things I wish I were better at. But for me, it's like, that's why this is, this time has been so hard because the live stuff is always like yeah. the thing I come back to where I feel like at home and like myself and like, you know. Tell me, tell me about the mental stuff. Tell me about freaking out every day when you are in a position as strong as yours, where you're kind of winning and high status and have not just comic talent, but like special skills and all the rest of it. What is the, oh, what are you oh, freaking stop. out about? Um, honestly, it, well, it's interesting. It's like, all of my anxiety uh, revolves around my singing voice and like getting sick when I'm like my biggest fears are like I'll get sick from traveling so much and I won't be able to sing and then I won't be able to do the show or like, oh, I'll hemorrhage my vocal cord again and won't be able to do the show. It's all just like once I get on stage, I'm like, it's done. It's perfect. Mm. I'm in heaven. Like from the second I start singing, from the second I walk on stage, it's on. It's just the before. And I think. But I, I don't know, because it's funny, too, because I thought I was like doing Edinburgh will be this kind of like test. Like, OK, look, you can do your show every night for a month and it's fine. But then like two months after that, I hurt my voice. So I'm like, there's just some things you can't control. And that's what's so infuriating. And is, is that a sort of a, a, a healthy, logical approach to a vulnerable part of the gig? You know, the fact that you could wreck your voice. No, or is it, I mean, it's such a hypochondriac. It sounds it's like kind so of compulsive, right? It's absolutely compulsive. And I'm like, obviously in therapy and all that, but it's like, um, yeah, I'm just a total hypochondriac and just the kind of thing who, you know, you get something good and I'm just like, it's not enough. What's the next thing is kind of how I feel. Yeah. There's a bit of that in comedy. eh? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and especially it's interesting now, like lately now that everything exists online, I find myself comparing myself even more or feeling more because I have all this time. Just look, what is everyone else doing? What is everyone else doing? And I'm like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing, I got to write this. I got to do that. I got to do that. And it's like, chill girl. Like you got to just do stuff when it comes and then spend the rest of the time absorbing the world around you. Yeah. In order to, I mean, that's part of the job, right? Like you can't, right. you can't just create like, content. <laughs> you have to actually have input. Right. Like ideas, like every now and then you'll have an idea, but I don't try and like force an idea. If it's not coming, it doesn't work like that. Okay. And do you find that aspect? You said you're writing stuff at the moment. Is that? Yeah. 
like do you obviously it's a different creative process when you're sitting writing oh, <laughs> sorry to have reminded you of it i know well i'm yeah i'm i'm, I'm co-writing i'm d- developing like a scripted show for myself to star in and i have these two co-writers who are brilliant and it's just so different like it's also like there's no instant gratification. Like we're working on such a long-term thing. We've been working on it for, you know, over a year at this point. Mm. And like, this is sorry, a, you know. a star vehicle for you. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Okay. But like, we haven't even like sold it yet. And we haven't even like, uh, obviously we haven't shot anything. So it's like, it's so to do something that's so, uh, long-term. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. It's just hard. I'm, I'm like, I want that rush. I want that gratification of, everything I've worked for, but it's like, it'll come, it'll come. I have to be patient. And what's that, what's the kind of end game with that or the mid game even of doing that? Is it that you want to grow your audience so you can do monster live shows or like, what's your, what's your kind of dream gig? Because the cabaret style thing you do is Uh like, what's your, what's your ideal room size to do that in? Oh yeah. It's like, I don't even like, I, I just want to do kind of what I'm already doing. Just like, more places, maybe some bigger venues, but I want to be acting more and I want to be a movie star is what I always say. So I want to be a movie star and then we'll see what then, and just keep doing the live stuff simultaneously, wherever feels right. And can I ask why? I only want to do it places that I want to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like fuck going random ass places. I don't want to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair days. Can I ask, can I ask why you want to be a movie star? I mean, I know that seems like a preposterous question, but like, what is it? What a rush. (laughs) Well, I love, I do. I really love acting. It's like, it's how I got into all this stuff. Okay. So yeah, I want to, uh, also like movie star implies like creative control and, Mm -hmm. you know, deciding other cool people I want to work with and making stuff with my friends and you know what, that's the dream. Right. So. And is that, is there a way to be like, could you see yourself? How, okay. Here's the question. Do you ever settle for anything? You seem no. you seem like a non settler, right? I know it's actually disgusting. I've actually realized it was really disgusting over the past year to realize I had like some artistic integrity. I was like, I, I had, there were two opportunities that came up that like, you know, five years ago, I would have been like, of course I'm doing that. And I was just like, I can't do that. Because? Because it's not me. But I was like, fuck. Because it was like, especially it was things that like, you know, could have been a lot of money potentially too. And just like security, like anytime there's a job, it's like any kind of security. It's like, oh, security and money. And it's, but it's like, this is not kind of the thing I'm working towards. Yeah. Can you, I obviously don't want to name what the things are, but can you just tell me a bit more about the reason why they didn't fit what it is you're working towards? Well, I think it was more like I've, you know, been working on this, like I have the specific point of view and these things I want to talk about and these things that are important to me. And so I want to be working on stuff that aligns with that. Okay. You know? Okay. Like it's also like if I don't, you know, I don't want to be involved with something that I but I, if, if I wouldn't feel proud, like posting, like, Hey guys, go, go check this out or come see me in this or whatever. Yeah. then like, you know, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not excited about doing that, then if I'm embarrassed at all, like, what's the point? You know, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Who knows? Now I'm like, fuck, I'm, I should have 
done whatever the fuck because now I'm alone in this house and dying. <laughs> and do you have, how are you coping with social media during the pandemic and, and broadly? Because you seem very, like you're very into it. You're very engaged on Instagram. You produce yeah. content. It seems like the right kind of platform for you. Are you are you on TikTok as well? Is that like... No, I'm not. On, I, maybe I'll get on TikTok. I kind of thought that'd be fun at some point. I always been beating myself up for not doing it enough. Like, oh, you fucking idiot. You don't have an idea for a viral video today. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. Like, it's so much comparing. So I'm trying now. I'm, I'm real. And I really, when I'm working and stuff, I don't look at Insta stories. I barely look at Instagram. I just post and then like engage with some of my comments and get off. Yeah. So I'm trying to get back to that because lately I've been like just scroll, scroll, scrolling. So, but yeah, I think the best thing is like I go make something, I post it, I get that rush of likes, I engage with people who like it, and then I like don't look too much to other stuff because it just drives me nuts. It is insane, isn't it? That like there's there's this incredible platform for getting your stuff out there, but in order to use it, you've got to step through, you've got to walk through this tunnel of things that are designed by scientists in a lab to distract you and make you envious. Yeah, it's really really tough too. It just makes you envious of things you don't even want. It's what's so scary. Yeah, I don't want to be anyone else, but I look at someone's thing. I'm like, I want that. I want to, I want to do an ad for that cool dress brand I like, and go run around a mansion or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when yeah, it's tricky. So when you're, do you have any kind of strategies for dealing with some of the more anxious parts of your? personality or parts of your job um (laughs) i mean i like um i don't how do i deal with it i mean i guess like write about it journaling jogging sometimes um I've never journaled. Is that is journaling effect? That's quite an American term. Is that basically just you keep, never keeping journaled? a diary? Yeah, I don't think I've ever journaled. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a huge part of my life and ever, everyone's life. I feel. Yeah, well, you know, the, you know the book, The Artist's Way. Yeah. So I guess one of the main tenets of The Artist's Way is to do um, your morning pages, which is three pages of stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness journaling every day. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have adopted that. I don't do it every day, but I try and do it whenever I'm thinking of it. I definitely did it like during Edinburgh. This was my notebook, and then I did it. Like I've been doing it lately, but when I'm, tra- it's easier when I'm like traveling and I'm alone to do it, you know. But uh, sometimes it's so boring. Sometimes it's just like I'm stupid, I'm fat, blah blah blah. Eek eek, help help! I want to eat something. <laughs> is that is that yeah. is that uh, uh, helpful? You can like, quote me that last bit. No. <laughs> you know, is that like is that the intention of the know. artist's way to kind of condemn yourself? I don't know yourself? what's helpful. I know my therapist says to be kind to myself. I'm like that's so boring. How do I do that? <laughs> tell, tell, tell me about that. Why is it boring to be kind to yourself? I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, treat yourself like the little child version of you. I'm like, I don't have kids. I don't know like how to relate to kids. How can I relate to the child version of myself? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> like, is that like, I suppose you, in some ways you're fulfilling for me the idea of like, given how, how strong the stuff is, is it's kind of like, um, but the stuff, I mean, your, your performance, the, you know, the, the jokes or the rest of it. It's almost like when you see someone, 
uh, doing ballet and you think, my God, look at that skill. And then you go, how did you get that? Oh, you kind of beat yourself into the ground on point <laughs> or, you know, a circus before with Jackie Chan. And you go, oh, they literally hit you with sticks in the Beijing Opera <laughs> until you were good enough. Is there is there part of that in, in you, in, in, in your yeah, practice? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been really hard on myself. So, like, I was, like, obsessed with doing very well in school and then I was obsessed and now I'm obsessed with this. Um, yeah, I just really want to be really successful. And you've, and <laughs> I suppose I've, I've spoken to some people on this podcast who are annoyed by that and others who are like, well, I, you know, I benefit from this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'll just, I won't try and heal it. Um, I just can't imagine being any other way. I definitely think I could be, I definitely am trying to be a little, a little more zen and accepting of things I can't control, but it's difficult. Yeah. Are there any shortcuts to doing what you do that you could tell to a younger version of yourself? Oh, that's such a great question. No, I think it's just what I would tell anyone, like just do the stuff that like makes you laugh, that you actually feel connected to, that you actually think is funny and don't try and like copy someone else. And don't be embarrassed. Like, I was so embarrassed to start doing songs and stuff. I was like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, it's not, maybe it's not cool. Like, my work is so like, expressive and emotional, and I felt like that wasn't really cool when I was doing, when I started doing stand-up. It was cool to be like, uh, so I met this guy. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, so you, yeah, you feel the... but I don't know. I don't... I know there's no shortcuts. That's what's so annoying about life. It's like you have to just like get there and yeah, I'm not where I want to be yet. So I'm, you know, I'm in the, in the trenches again. What, um, oh man, I just thinking of the trenches and the pandemic and the fact that you had, like, oh. you had an incredibly glittering year lined up. Like, I mean, I'm missing out on some joyous festivals. I was looking forward to going back to Edinburgh. I've got a show I'm really proud of. It's got my yeah. best, the first, most frustrating thing is it's got my best poster image ever. And it's still mine. Oh, I haven't no. let it out there. Can you use it? I've got, yeah, yeah, I can, st can, I can still use it. Here. I can still use it. But it's like, it was, oh, this was, I was so looking forward to it, you know? I know. I'm just telling myself, like, everything that I that was going to happen will happen. Like, it, it'll happen. Yeah. I don't know when. But it'll happen. So in the meantime, I'm just like, facing some of these demons while I, while I wait and then seeing, you know, yeah, what that does to me. We'll see. I was really burnt out too. Like right before when I came home from London, I was like, I was so fucking exhausted from all the traveling. I was like, I have to like, I was so excited to just like chill for a week. And then after a week I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, yeah, I relate to that. I, I heard about, um, uh, I read the four hour work week a few years ago. I don't mm. know if you've read that. Uh, so, so what's that all about? Well, it's kind of, um, uh, it's, it's about the pursuit of only doing things that you enjoy so that your work week is like, you don't count any hours spent doing things that you enjoy. So you only need to do four hours of ugh, boring admin or whatever a week because everything mm. else isn't work because you love it. So it's kind of mm. about designing your life. And it's also, there's a bit, it, it's kind of in, in tandem, I suppose, with the, whatever it is, like, is it fire financially independent, retire early or something? You know, this is, it's one of those kind of like, you're the designer of your own life. 
And if yeah. you can create a business online that makes you money when while you sleep, then you can free yourself from the world. Like the, the, the yeah, it's interesting. I feel like so much of my work sometimes is like just emailing, and I'm just like, "Fuck this!" Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get better about like not beating myself up if I don't respond to something quickly, or like if I don't respond to something at all. I'm like, "That's okay." Like that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Like, yes. I used to get so angry when people wouldn't respond to me. I'd be like, "That person's such a dick. They're such an asshole. Fuck them." And now I'm like, "Oh, they're just busy," and like you know, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not a personal thing if someone ignores. I mean, it depends on what it is, but I feel like in general, you know. You can't do everything. Yeah. I suppose I, I the point I was going to make was I having read those, having read that book and thought, oh, great, that would be great because I'd have loads of free time if I could just design my life such that I wasn't constantly doing stuff. And then whenever I free up a gap, I'm like, I'd immediately start freaking out going, oh, no, but I, you know, and you, you sort of look at your length, your life the other way around and go, oh, no, there is a reason I'm always busy. It's because I crave yeah. being busy. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, that wasn't really a question. <laughs> that was a more sort of an observation. No, I just kind of like got lost in thought about like, yeah, what that means. It's, yeah, I love being busy. It's tough. Oh, I feel like I've got you at a, a really tough time. Like, I, obviously, there's there's a global pandemic on, but I feel like this is this is your, this is particularly difficult for your psyche and for your performing rhythm. Yeah, I think just like the past... The past like two weeks, I'm like, okay, what's like, what the fuck's going on? You know what I mean? I think, but <laughs> it's funny. I'm like, I don't think it's a particularly tough time. I think I'm kind of always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this but, is. Um, okay. Yeah, no, this is. Yeah, it, this sucks, but I have to just like stay positive. Like, it's gonna be okay. Okay, okay. A couple of quick fire things to wrap up with. Um, yeah. Are you considered a success among the friends you grew up with? Oh, probably, but I don't consider myself enough of a success yet, so I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. That's like a winner and a I loser. I just so don't give a shit. I'm just like, if someone else tells you you're great, you're like, so what? Like, I have to, I have to believe it. That's you fascinating. Know? That that's like the core of your incredible don't give a shitness is what you don't give a shit about is other people's perception because you're busy giving yourself a hard time. Is that? Exactly. Is that, is I'm that trying to be somewhere? kinder to myself. And yeah, definitely. And no, and like when I, don't get me wrong, like when I step back and I look at what I've accomplished, I'm like so proud of myself and I feel so fucking good. I even like a few months ago, I was like on a plane board and I like made a list of kind of everything I'd done artistically that I was proud of and like a timeline of it just so I could step back and be like, wow, like this is so amazing. Like you should be so proud of yourself. So I definitely am and I'm definitely conceited and think I'm like a genius and whatever. But I just there's so much that I want to do that I haven't done yet that I'm like, let's fucking go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you ever do you do you recognize anything stereotypical in yourself like a stereotypical artist or uh, do you know what I mean? is there anything um, where you're like, oh, God, I suppose I'm living out that thing that everyone does? In some ways, I, I feel that because I'm, I've always been extremely emotional and I have insane mood swings and I can be very like dramatic. But I also I never fully connected to the artist trope because I'm not at all flaky. I'm like very type A. I'm very like responsible and on my shit. You know, I was never like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to call you. I was in Paris like at a dance. Like I was, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's not my vibe. I'm like, hey, so we're meeting on the 17th from four to six. Like, here's the Zoom link. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So I definitely don't romanticize that. Uh, I wish I could be more like a romantic, like, and I was just like stumbling across, across the street and I met this guy and like, now we're collaborating on a noise album. It's like, that's not my life. <laughs> is there, is there, um, is there an act out there who you dislike, who you secretly worry that you are a bit like? Oh, they dislike. Um, I think in general, like so much musical comedy is so corny and bad that at the beginning I was scared of doing it. I was like, I don't want to be like that. I can't think of a specific act, but I think just in general, like the idea of like hitting a single joke in a song and then just beating it to death, like that's mm-hmm. not interesting to me. So I wouldn't ever want to do that. Are there ever are there ever kind of tropes or types of joke you feel yourself repeating? Do you ever kind of go like, oh, I, I was about to do that, and I'm like, no, I've done that, I've done that joke before, in a different. Yeah, all, I, I mean, all the time, I'm just like, j'adore, j'adou, j'ada. It's like, no, it's absolute nonsense. I just sputter nonsense. <laughs> or I'm like, maybe I won't do. Like, I had a song. I have a song called Upstate about running to Upstate New York to run from your problems, and I have another song called By the Sea about being a woman who wants to be like by the sea to deal with her ailments. And um, I was like, those are, I can't put those in the same, or if I'm going to put those in the same show, I should spread them out. You know, that's too, yeah, that is okay. very similar. Okay. So, or, or, but honestly, usually it's someone else, like my manager being like, that's really similar. You shouldn't do that. And I was like, mm, I want to, I think it's different. With something like by the sea, a song about a woman who wants to be by the sea with her ailments. Yeah. Like that is yeah. such a fucking great premise for a song. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the, the, I don't even know what it is. The nurseness of that, you know, like it, that's, that's so you, it's so kind of, um, uh, <sighs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, did yeah, you like, well, it's like, it, specific memory i have of seeing the jane Eyre musical and seeing like the crazy mother in the attic or whatever and i was like and that kind of like that kind of song that kind of like dirgy like whatever and i was like i want it to be like that and i just yeah well you before before quarantine i used to romanticize going you know into the country to work on my art and i'm like (laughs) but uh yeah what commonly held belief about comedy do you disagree what sort of thing do you hear people say about comedy that you always think <laughs> bullshit? I don't know. You have to like comedy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I hate comedy. <laughs> oh, there's just so many shows I go to. Where I'm like, kill me. <laughs> or I just also like, I wasn't a comedy nerd growing up. Like there's so much I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think you need to know everything before you start doing your own thing. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. And just, this is just a, this is like the op- the opposite of that really, but it's just occurred to me the, when you're doing the Alan Cumming show on a Wednesday, how did you like, you're hosting that show. So did you mm-hmm. progress through the ranks? Did you start, you know, turning up and doing bits and then gradually get asked to host the show? No, no. I just, I knew I wanted to host a weekly show with all my friends and Henry, my piano player had, played a gig at the club and he was like there's a new spot alan cummings opening this new club so we just emailed him like can we do, can we have a night and he was like yeah and then it went so well that we we're like can we do every week and he was like yeah and so daniel nardiccio the guy who owns the club with alan just like trusted us and just gave us this amazing gift oh. and like let us just do whatever we wanted and that's how the whole thing took off so i'm just endlessly grateful for them 
And when you just, because I'm, I'm doing like an online uh, chat show, effective chat and variety comedy show. Uh-huh. And so I'm very new, like 14 episodes in and I'm programming it and I love it because I get to be Kermit in my own Muppet show, right? I get to go, oh, yeah, the yeah, stuff yeah. that I love. So what have yeah. you got? This is a sort of a, uh, a kind of, um, uh, what's, what's the phrase? This is a kind of particular personal interest to me. Have you got any advice for people putting together a lineup or... or uh, like, what have you yeah, learned from I've, doing that? Because I'm completely new to it. I love it, but I'm aware that I'm new to it. And I'm kind of often going, oh, how does that fit together? Yeah, I think that's why I wanted to do it so bad at the beginning, because I knew all these interesting, amazing people. And I just wanted, it was like, I wanted to feel like a party, too. I wanted to be like, who do I want to hang out with tonight? Like, let's have them come to the show. Oh, like, especially like in New York, if a friend, if I haven't seen a friend in a while, and they text me, I'm like, hey, do you want to come to the show this week? Even if like, yeah, even if they're just like a singer or something, I'm just like, just come sing something, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just be near people you want to hang out with. I I think sometimes it even hurts me because I'm like, oh, should I be trying to get like bigger acts or whatever on the show? But that doesn't really interest me. I'm like, I don't really care. But now I have um my friend Lauren Mandel helps me produce the show because I can't now I can't do it all on my own. So okay. she will sometimes get bigger acts, and that's always you know a nice way to meet new people. And yeah, but it's also it's been really cool. Like doing Edinburgh was amazing because I met so many amazing comedians who I wouldn't have known just being yeah. in New York. So now like I had, um, Chris Parker, who's in New Zealand, he came and did my Instagram show last week and everyone's okay. like, Oh my God, who was that? He was so amazing. Yeah, he's, great. he's a genius. I was like, I know. And because when I saw his Edinburgh show, I was like, Holy shit, this guy is so, so funny. So my vibe. So it's cool. Like I can't wait to be back at it again. And it's fun. Like doing the show in New York. Cause then anytime anyone would come over from the UK or whatever, I'd be like, give them my info, you know, tell them to come do my yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. it became this whole, yes, thing so finally what's the most enjoyable moment of your show like as an individual moment not the the tone the for me of, yeah yeah what's like almost like the bit or the joke or the line or the song where you'll most feel like ah oh, this is I'm, I've, I'm in the zone i would say well usually it's whatever is newest like whenever i'm doing something new and i'm like really having to be in that moment but um when i do the last song in my edinburgh show like right before that last moment. And I'm just like, I could feel that I have like, and I'm like just feeling the music and I can feel the crowd. And I I know it's about to end. That's the best part (laughs) when it's over. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thanks so much, Kat. So that was Catherine. Fantastic to talk to her. Uh, Really, uh, really exciting conversation. And uh, I hope that she continues to deal well with kind of funneling uh, her uh, her uh, anxieties through her work in the way that is currently serving her very well. And I think uh, she's just such a devastating performer, such a powerhouse of, uh, of a performer. So do please try and go and see her when the world returns to normal, some aspects of which I'm looking forward to. Um, that's everything from Catherine. Uh, remember Cat C. Cohen on Instagram and Cat Cohen on Twitter. You can follow me at ComComPod or at Stu Goldsmith on Twitter and Instagram and at ComComPod on Instagram. If you are interested in the new podcast that myself and Sindhu V are doing, it's called Child Labour and it's a parenting podcast. Myself and Sindhu V, the first episode went out a few days ago with Arabella Weir, and you can find out everything you need to know about that. Look, I've knocked up the world's worst webpage. It's at childlabourpod.com, labour with the UK spelling L-A-B-O-U-R, childlabourpod.com. It's an absolute 
it's a dog end of a web page, but it does contain easily clickable one button links to subscribe to it on a variety of platforms. And I think at the moment we'll have to uh, we'll have to settle for that. You can also, because it comes from uh, Global Radio, you can sub- subscribe on the Global Player, which I'm sure is every bit as uh, delightful and expansive as we might imagine it is. So find out all about that at childlabourpod.com or by searching for Child Labour Podcast all over the place. That's it for now. I will post-amble at you in just a moment, but for now, that concludes the podcast. So in in place, really, of a post-amble this week, I just want to take this opportunity to ask you, you, the white person listening to this, particularly if you're a a comedian or a creative, and or if you have a, a platform to talk to people, not to do as I have done and sit there regarding social media as simply entertainment and kind of holding yourself aloof through some sort of combination of inertia and not wanting to appear performative and not wanting to invite criticism and not wanting to be uncomfortable, not needing to use it as a platform at all, really, which is no doubt because you, like me, already have a privileged place in society. Why would I need the outlet of a platform when I'm constantly validated by the world anyway? But instead to recognise that silence is violence, that our white silence is violence, and instead to consider using your platform, whatever it is, to amplify black and minority ethnic voices at this specific time of unrest and constantly in this continuing context of enormous racial inequality. I will try harder. I hope you will too. Uh, There are loads of incredible black and minority ethnic comics that you should be following on Twitter. I will put all their Twitter handles in the show notes. A few off the top of my head. Dane Baptiste, Ninia Benjamin, Fumbi Omateo, Gina Yashere, Desiree Birch, Jamali Maddox, Ola the Comedian, Ahir Shah, Tez Ilias, Paul Sinner, Nish Kumar, Deliso Chaponda, Athena Kuglenu and many, many more besides. I will put all of their Twitter handles in the show notes of this episode. Um, but please let's try to be better. Let's try not to be so cringing about the uncomfortableness and the relative, the extremely relative, in inverted commas, dangers of posting and inviting argument and criticism and those kind of things, all those things that often stop me tweeting about anything because people on the internet can be so shit. Um, But to overcome that, to attempt to sit with that uncomfortable feeling and at the very least to just amplify the voices of people who are doing the work. Let's all do that. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.